What's going on? Welcome back to another episode of the Old Terps Podcast, brought to you by one of the big dogs, Andy T. I had a hell of a weekend, let me tell you. What'd you do this weekend, Drew? Talk, t- tell us about it. <laughs> Start us off. Weekend had a hell of a weekend. Actually went to uh, went to dinner with Harry Geller, local Maryland legend. Talk shop, couple million dollar ideas. I might be a billionaire in a week. Doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't hate that. That's the guy you want in your corner. Hell yeah, that it is. Uh, this is Travis here, Brooklyn, New York, as usual. Uh, quiet weekend. I um, I went to Solid Core today, fellas. Got a little workout in. <laughs> Me about and, time, me, <laughs> yeah, Mr. Mr. Cross, Mr. CrossFit down there, fucking do a pull up, standing lunges with 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 benches tied to his back. Yes, I, I gotta Reese. say this real fast. I gotta say this real quick. Reese, when we went to Barcelona last year, bro, I remember walking to one of. So we had like this big villa. We everybody had a different room. Bro, I remember walking back to Reese's area. This dude's on. the on the bed doing push-ups shirtless <laughs> at like 6 30 in the morning i'm just we're just getting home he's like dude i gotta i'm gonna rip these out or i'm gonna miss work i'm like dog i'm going we're on to vacation bed we're on vacation right. you he gotta get vacation. it in nope nope so you got reese mona here still in maryland and further conversation in did get a workout in today so nothing new here what'd you do What's today reese? tell us tell us what your workout was like reese Ran so, 50 miles, swam 10 more miles. So we're stuck in between houses. So I got baby weight. So I had to do mix up with the bar and 30-pound dumbbells. Got 500 reps in of bench. That's it. Easy what? day. What? It's lightweight. It's lightweight. So Who does shit day. like that? 500 reps? For what? You got to love it. I did, I'll do 500 reps of squats. You should try that one. You can't walk the next two days. Uh, you want to do 50 a, push-ups right now for the camera. I, bro, I made a 200 meters. <laughs> I did a 200 meter sprint on Tuesday. <laughs> Puked everywhere. <laughs> now, in my defense, it was cold. I was going to say, yeah, what happened to the hamstring <laughs> thing? You're like, hamstring was off the bone. And he was running on the track. No, I was back. I'm, I, hang on. That was in August. I've, I've rehabbed it. <laughs> I'm back. We know we know how Andrew is with injuries. Oh, it's broken. Broken. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh. Quickest recovery from a torn hamstring in history. He's better than Aaron Rodgers. Kev, Kevin's wild for saying that, though, because he's the one who essentially broke the I, I did not suck your hell no. treatment on their ass, bro. And you guys are sitting there laughing at me because I'm, I'm defying this guy, odds. This guy thinks he's Aaron Rodgers. Are you kidding me? <laughs> literally, bro. Dude, I this literally. Guy made, a little strain, I, strain hammy. It's off the bone. <laughs> He said he couldn't walk. <laughs> said he couldn't walk. <laughs> a week later, he was sprinting. He was doing 100 meter shuttle sprints. It's not true. You know what my favorite part of this whole thing is? Uh, another Big Ten, Big Ten guy, <laughs> Connor McCaffrey, sitting right next to me. He was there when I tore the hamstring off the bone. He even said what I did over that span of three weeks was nothing short of amazing. Uh, I was on a clay tennis court and. Uh, I, we took a picture of it, which we're going to put now on online. There's the slide mark, pure athleticism. Then I hit a little bump, went up in the air about two to three feet back to the floor, another six feet after the slide. In that six feet, something got all fucked up in the leg. <laughs> Not following. Uh, in other news, uh, 
Keegan Murray, 47 last night for the Sack Kings. Unconscious, fellas. Barely hitting the rim. I don't understand. He wasn't hitting the rim. Okay, Kevin, you got to elaborate on this. Why did you guys, maybe that's his rotation to come out of the game. Why do you guys take him out with 10 left in the fourth and then bring him back in while he's ice cold? Just let the man keep chucking. Let him play 48. No, so player-wise, we were pleading with our coaches to leave him in. So he played the whole third quarter, didn't come out. He was supposed to come out to start the fourth. We were talking to our assistants like, you have to let him go. Like, screw the 50 ball. He's at 12 threes. Record's 14, fellas. Yeah. He might not get to this point ever in your career. Like, this is like a yeah. this is a potentially career right. career night. I mean, I mean, he's second no, year. He, he could never could find get it. to that point in his career. He's a cyborg, ever. dude. He just gets you saw uh, uh, he just <laughs> it was knocked down. And uh, so they threw him back out there because he finished the third on a heater. So they threw him back out there to start the fourth. And I think he was in for like 15 straight game minutes. We're just like, all right, you got it. We're also up 30. At, at some point, you kind of got to – you pull the plug if he's not hitting. So then they made a little run, cut it to I think 14 from 30, put us all back in and, and closed the deal. But it was like – it was one of those deals I don't think in the moment until like mid through the third quarter where I was like, Yo, I don't, I don't think this dude is missed. And it was, not, and then like you could tell, like each three he made, the crowd got more and more into it. But it was like everyone was kind of sleepwalking a little bit. And you're like, Yo, Keegan's, Keegan's nine to ten from three. Like what, what's going on? And this guy's not celebrating. He's like running back on defense. Yeah, he like, didn't. Oh. He didn't even smile. That, that's <laughs> that's the biggest thing. That's what I was looking at. I was like, Wow, this guy's, he's he scored the angriest forty five <laughs> in his life. Dude and didn't was, have any fun. And it was easy. And, the, and like, the thing with him, and he's going to work on it. Like, he's going to add more wiggle into his game. Like, you know, his shot creation, similar to, to a lot of guys in the league. Like, that's the part of his game that's got to come along. But straight shooting in terms of just catch and shoot, shoot the ball, like, the guys can go in just automatic modes. Like, he's he's a special shooter. So, last night was one of those, mo- one of those nights. Like, he didn't take a lot of dribbles. A lot of it was catch and shoot, catch, jab, shoot. And you saw it. It was, it was back rim down, like, every single one. Not a lot of guys can go make 12 three-point shots in an NBA game. So, 12 of 13 misses. I think it was 12, finished 12 of 15, but 12 of 13. That's crazy. It's insane. That's insane. I think well, like, I, would love, I would love to know the numbers when Steph and Clay did it when they got there. You know, Clay had the 12, I think, in three quarters in Chicago. Uh, I'm not sure. I think, I think Steph is highest is 13. I think Clay's the 14, which is the record. Would love to know as we're as we're going through this what uh what their final percentage was. Luckily, we have a math data wizard in, in Reese Mona who in the next <laughs> forty five seconds will be able to let us know. We'll be able to find this out. Fucking Jimmy but, over there. Yeah. <laughs> That's why his head's so big. <laughs> Literally, all right, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even. I I wouldn't even shitting on you that hard. Why? This is the one thing I don't like about our friend group. It, it doesn't matter if somebody just throws an absolute nuclear warhead out there. If somebody comments on the backside of that, somehow the guy that just threw a little subtle point in there gets gets flanked. And it's ridiculous. It's You're every time. No, Kevin, Kevin will ruin your life. And then Travis will be like, yeah, yeah. And then somehow whoever Kevin's life got ruined, he gets Travis and not Kevin. It's absurd, or it's just Brennan, you know, on the on the extreme back end. But that to each his own. I, uh, it is what it is. Uh, speaking uh, of shooting, 
the Maryland Terrapins, hey, we shot the ball a little bit better. Even better for us, we've got a treat today. Brent Petty, he's going to be in town. Uh, he's jumping on the pod, uh, which we're about to listen to here in about, let's say, 30 seconds. After that pod, stay remaining on the line. We're going over Nichols, and then we're going to preview uh, the old UCLA run. Uh, you know, it's going to be better this year than it was last year. At least let's let's pray to God. Hopefully. So without further ado, let's jump right into that interview, Mr. Brent Petty. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a, a very, very, very special guest with us this week. Um, he goes by the name of Brent Petty, current Mr. video coordinator. Feet. Mr. 94 Feet, video coordinator at the University of Maryland this year. He he was with us, I think as a GA, my last couple of years, Drew Reese, uh, went went to the joined the Pistons for a few years. Um, they have since lost 80 games in a row since he's left, so... Um, <laughs> You know, we, we could say maybe that was attributed to him. He's now back with the services video coordinator, instrumental in developing Sticks and Bruno, I'd say. Worked out a lot of guys. Pause. Um, but, yeah, we're happy to have him on, on the show today. What's, what's going on, BP? Appreciate y'all having me on, man. I was a, I was a great welcome, even though, you know, Kev didn't want to introduce me. I, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I want to, I don't want to mess up any of the titles. I'm glad Travis no, got, got that basketball no, ops piston. No, I got you. But I appreciate y'all having me on, man. Um, like Tribe said, two years as a GA. Um, you know, you forgot to mention Wigs. You know, I was working out Wigs as well. Wigs too. Wigs too. Um, three nah, pros. Three pros. Yeah. So I was GA for two years. Um, Work with the Pistons in the front office, um, you know, help out with the scouting department. Um, and then after a year with the Pistons, uh, Coach Turgeon called me back. and wanted to bring me back home as video coordinator. So I was fortunate enough to come home, you know, kind of be where I was at uh, two years before that. Um, and then kind of just, you know, everybody knows Turge quit, which was unfortunate. Um, but I was fortunate enough to stay on with uh, Coach Willard. And his staff and, you know, going into year three as a video coordinator and get an opportunity to actually be an on-court assistant coach now. So I'm working the guys out more. I'm having scouting reports, um, instrumental, more day-to-day operations around the program, um, which is, you know, kind of what I want to do. And back on that player development side. So, you know, our season, you know, we're six and four right now. Got a few big games coming up. Um, so just excited to, you know, get back to the tournament um, like we did last year. Now, now, Brent, let me ask you this. I'll just I'll start I'll start with a little softball lob here. Gosh. <laughs> um, first off, people forget Brent. Uh, he used to try to guard me full court yeah, in the uh, practice days. <laughs> one of the easiest, one of the easiest get up the courts of all time. Just a little side to side, a little jab and go. Exactly, um, a little little jab and go. Didn't even need the escort um, <laughs> from the big guy throwing the ball in. But here, I'll ask you this. Uh, could you outshoot the entire Maryland men's basketball team right now? <laughs> uh, we Be did. careful before you answer that, Brent. Be very I say, careful. I will say we hit 14 threes last game. There you so go. That is correct. It was a little slack. Um, you know, everybody talks about our shooting. Um, you know, we're, we're a young team. You know, we got, we're got we playing two freshmen. Um, you know, some of our returners from last year aren't shooting as well as we hoped they would be this year. 
Um, but, you know, it's a confidence thing. You know, Coach Willard, what he does really well, he's really big on player development. He worked um, with the Celtics and Rick Pitino when he first got out of college. And, you know, his biggest thing was player development. He was on the floor every day working the dudes out. So he's kind of like transitioning that uh, to Maryland. He did a great job at Seton Hall with guys like Sandro, Mamas Philly, uh, Jared Roden. Um, everybody knows Miles Powell. Um, so he's kind of took that trend over here to Maryland. Um, you look at a kid like Deshaun Harris-Smith, who was shooting two for 20-something for three, and he hits three threes last game. That's a testament to, you know, our staff and Coach Willie. He's been in the gym with him every morning at 8.30, getting up shots with him, um, and it's just constant. I mean, you know, guys are missing, missing, but, you know, we're in the gym. Like, I, we were supposed to have a two-a-day today. Um, I thank God we didn't, um, but you know, we, we, we stay in the gym. And, you know, the tide's going to turn. We're going to start hitting shots, hope, I hope. <laughs> are, are you are you looking at it as, as people start getting used to and comfortable to the moment? We talked about that a couple times on a couple episodes young guys, it's tough to get into a rhythm if you don't start in a rhythm. And then it's tough to get back into it with you if you ever lose it, like Anthony Cowan, et cetera. So are you guys expecting, you know, percentages to play out from when they're in high school or just more comfort? I think I think the biggest thing with us, and I'm sure you guys can see the way we play, we play so freaking hard. Like we play so mm-hmm. hard, trap, we press the whole game. I think guys are just getting used to the speed one, the speed of the game. Like high school to college is totally different. But then when you talk about like the way we play where we're pressing, you know, the whole game and having legs on your shot and not shooting with your arms. So just learning that way. Like we dealt with it last year. I remember like Don Carey was struggling to shoot beginning of the season, but you know, he shot like forty percent at Georgetown, but he was just getting used to playing in a system like Coach Wheeler where we're getting up and down, we're pressing, like we play so hard, we practice so hard. So guys are just kind of getting you have to get used to that. And once they get kind of used to that towards, you know, the middle of the season, we're hoping that, like, okay, like, they know, like, hey, it's, you know, second half, 10 minutes ago in a game. Let me use more legs on my shot. Let me, you know, maybe dry the clothes out. Let me take better shots. So that's just kind of what we're, you know, hoping the guys can get used to. And, you know, even though it was Alcorn State, it was just really good to, you know, see the ball going in for our guys. Yeah, it's funny you talk about, like, obviously, to start this season, everybody, that's all they've talked about is the shooting. And it's it's always funny to me. Like, especially all of us being players, like uh, fans from the outside just assume that we have no idea that you're shooting the ball bad. Like everybody is very aware of how things are going. And unsurprising that guys are in the gym. We heard about some of the two days or potential two days you guys are doing, which is just a testament to how you guys are working. Uh, So I'm glad to see that is, you know, over the course of this whole stretch, was there a change in how you guys coached? Was there something different you guys have been saying? What was the message that you were you were talking with through, especially we'll say the freshmen who you know, had a rough student shooting start to the season. Did your guys approach or coaching ever change with them? Yeah. I mean, like we wanted to, we like, we wanted to relieve the pressure on the offensive end. So we're like, Hey guys, just guard, like guard your ass off. I mean, we're, we're ranked top 20 in all defensive metrics this year, um, scoring three point shooting, uh, two point field goal percentage and overall defense in the whole country. So like, we're like, Hey guys, our offense is going to come, like just rebound, defend. Like Jamie Kaiser, for example, I've kind of taken him under my wing. He reminds me a lot of Aaron Wiggins, just like his work ethic and just like whole persona and just like he's a great kid. He's in the gym. You know, we're watching film. Like we watched the whole game the other day, Alcorn State, uh, the, other, the other morning, like 830. You know, he didn't have any classes. He was done with big exams. He's like, hey, Brent, let's, let's watch the full game. That's just the type of kid he is. And I'm like, hey, Jamie, like before when you get in the game, like, 
if you saw like the first couple of games, he was just like firing off shots and just taking, you know, really tough, you know, shots and just playing really fast. I'm like, hey, go get an offensive rebound, go get a steal, go get, you know, just 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 do something else on the defensive end that'll get your offensive going. That's kind of been the overall message that Coach Wheeler has given the guys, you know, as we wait for the offense to come along, as we wait for shots to start hitting, like, hey, let's guys, let's just be an elite defensive team. Let's just, you know, some games are going to be some rock fest. As you guys know in the Big Ten, like when you play the Wisconsin's, you play, you know, the Michigan States, it's going to be slow. It's going to be, you know, a slug fest. Let, let, let's guard. Let's, let's pride ourselves in defensive end, and then offense will come. So that's kind of the message that we kind of like, you know, tune to, to the guys. Yeah, it's – and we could kind of tell. I think uh, Travis, myself, Reese, we were there before the season started, and I think you could – you could feel the coaching staff was very high in Jamie. He's someone that we've talked about a lot on this podcast as being someone that, you know, if this team gets him playing well, it's a different team. You know, the ability to space the floor, another scoring option. Who do you think, I'll say outside of outside of Jameer, outside of Juju, who do you think like this team's X factor is? Like if he's playing if he's playing well, you guys are at a different level, or you guys can potentially go to a different level. Is there anyone specific? I mean, the obvious answer is Dante Scott. I mean, he's the fifth year senior. Um, you know, he he's he has over a thousand points. He has over five hundred rebounds. Um, you know, he kind of knows that you know he should be playing better, and I think I think he will. Um, you know, he struggled here and there. You know, a few games this season. Um, but if you look back last year, you know, when we played well, like against West Virginia in the tournament against Minnesota in the Big Ten tournament, the first game to see the first uh, first game of Big Ten tournament. Like, he played well when we played, you know, in Mohegan Sun last year against St. Louis and Miami. Like, Dante played really well. So, in order for us to reach, like, our ceiling and, you know, really, you know, be a tournament team and be a team that, like, teams are afraid of or, you know, be in the top half of the Big Ten, we, you know, we obviously need Dante Scott to be, you know, Dante Scott. And I think he understands that. And, you know, he had a great practice today. Um, that's one thing about him. I mean, you know, through the ups and downs of the season, like he still comes to practice, plays his, you know, tail off and, you know, is playing really hard. And that's, and that's what he does on the game. I mean, even against Penn State, like, you know, he, he wasn't having the best of game, but, you know, he got the and one. He got a big offensive rebound. He got the big defensive rebound in a regulation. So he do, he's doing everything else on the floor well. You know, he's being a great teammate. Um, so I think, you know, we can get, you know, him to, pl- to be playing, you know, at a, at a Big Ten level. I think that takes our team to another level. Underrated on Tay, I think he's like on pace to finish his career. I think like first in games played, he'll be top 10 or something like that in rebounding, uh, top 15 or something like that in scoring maybe. Like I, I think he's gotten a lot of criticism this year for probably playing not quite as well as he had hoped. But underrated, like he's had a he's had a good career. He, he's yeah, been – yeah, and people years. don't real, and people don't realize like he's also playing a whole new position. He's playing at the three this year. So you know, you look at the past four years at Maryland, he played at the four. Um, he even played the, at the five Reese during your COVID season, where he had you know five men chasing him around the perimeter. He was you know able to get to the rim. You know now he's playing at the three. You know you're not. He's not having that slow you know uh, footed Tyler Wall guard him or you know, other four men in the league, Race Thompson's of the world guarding him where he's able to kind of get by. He's, he's having other wings like Mackenzie McCombo, um from Indiana. I don't know if I pronounced that right, but, you know, you're, he's having wings and guards guard him, so he's having to adjust. So, you know, he's, he's learning a whole new position um, that, he, that he hasn't played for us. Um, you know, it's only 10 games into the season. Um, and, you know, 
our biggest thing with him is just, you know, having the right mindset each and every day coming in, you know, wanting to get better and, you know, just putting the team first and, you know, individually wise, like things, things will get better for him. Yeah. And that's a great point. You mentioned about Dante. People don't realize that because you're like, he's a fifth year senior. Why is he not starting off on the right foot? Well, like you said, he's switching positions. He was a four, he was a five during my year and now he's back to a three. Yep. So just him getting used to that. Um, so pivoting here to, I know because you're in a pretty unique situation to where you were on Turgeon staff, yep. as you said, and then you maintained for Willard staff. It's pretty rare in college basketball because you see coaches come in, they wipe the slate clean. Um, but for you, it was you stayed, Kyle Tarp stayed, the strength coach, um, Greg Manning stayed. So Big Matt. Awesome he kept those guys. <laughs> big Matt's still there. You Reese just want to talk about his pops, staff. Kyle Tarp. He won't give Big Matt no love. Yeah. Kyle, his stepdad, <laughs> Kyle Tarp. Shout out. <laughs> Shout out Big Matt. Favorite son. And then, but for you, Brent, and you can talk about whatever you'd like to on this, but do you see any differences or similarities between the way Turgeon ran a program and coached versus Willard? I know you already talked about two-a-days in season. We really did that, and it sounds like you've already had a couple of those with Willard. Yeah, I I would say they're a lot similar than people think. Um, They're a lot similar, and then they're also different in, you know, certain ways as well. Um, you know, as far as like, you know, coaching styles and, you know, they definitely have different, you know, terminology and different styles. Um, you know, Coach Turgeon was more, you know, defensively, he was like, you know, he wanted everything to be solid. He wanted, you know, he didn't, you know, if you look at, you know, our numbers, like turnover percentage, we never had like, we weren't a big type steal type of team. Like we weren't trying to force turnovers. We just wanted to be solid. We wanted to force everything to the middle. You know, we never ice ball screens. We really just whitened off. Um, so he was very just like staying connected. Whereas like Coach Willard is like, all right, we're gonna pick up ninety four feet. You know, let's let's gamble. Let's play fast. Let's you know force teams turnovers. Um, you know, we're playing zone. We play zone a lot. Um, you know, play a matchup zone. Um, so they they're different that way. Um, and then just like personal wise, like they're both great guys. Like Coach Willard's you know great. Coach Surgeon's great. Um, you know, I think they both really care for their players, they're, you know, both players, coaches. Um, and I think like, you know, a lot of people say bad things about Coach Turgeon, but, you know, he, he was a great coach and he did, you know, he brought me in as a GA and he brought me back as a video coordinator. And then Coach Willard, like he could have let me go. Um, he gave me an opportunity to, you know, stay on his staff and even bump me up to, to on-court assistant. So, you know, I, I have nothing but respect for both of them. And, you know, they both, you know, I've learned a lot, you know, being able to work for two great head coaches and kind of learn their terminologies, learn how you do different things and how Coach Turgeon did a thing, how Coach Willard did a thing, scouting-wise. Um, you know, I will say, Coach Willard, we do watch weight a lot more film um, as a team. But we watch film before a game. We watch film at halftime. Um, you know, I'm always the one in control of that, so I'm always getting cursed out. Um, <laughs> but um, you go like that. You go like that. I mean, like I remember we played Alabama in the tournament, and he was trying to. I was trying to like. I mean, this is high pressure moment. Like, this is a chance to go to Sweet Sixteen. We're down like. Seven. Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, I gotta, Trust I gotta, me, you didn't want Brent to have the rock down down two with a minute left. Man. <laughs> athlete pissed down his leg, <laughs> froze yeah. up. Moment too big. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So like you know like. You know, I got to make sure that film's working. I'm sure, like, Kev can kind of allude to it, like, just having that film ready. I mean, I'm pretty sure, like, this, those SAC video coordinators, you know, like, those are high-pressure moments. Like, and, Hell, yeah. Mike Brown wants to watch 
you know, all of Steph Curry's, you know, pick and rolls or whatever. You got to have that well, shit. We had to bring up Steph Curry. We had to bring up Steph Curry. Like, you know, I'm, just, I'm just saying, for example, like, you got you to gotta have that shit ready. Like, so sure. uh, that that's that's one way, you know, they're a little bit different where – and then even, like, with scouting-wise, like, with, with Coach Turs, and we would do a lot of just, like, clip tapes. So, like, you know, try to play Michigan State, we – it would be more just like watching personnel and then watching the offense or whatever. Whereas like coach Willard, we're watching like, like we like as a team, like we might watch personnel plays and then we want to come back and watch a game like as a whole team. And we just like sitting there just like watching the game and the scout coach is like going through like, Hey, cause like his biggest thing is like, and you guys are, are players. Like when you're watching that clip tape, you're like, all right, horns, twists, horns, flags. Like you're like, what the hell? Like, like I'm not going to, you're not going to remember those plays. So he wants you to kind of watch the flow of the game and kind of get the like how the team is. So like if you watch the first ten minutes, you know you you'll get a better idea of who the team is and rather just watching like a, a clip tape of you know six different sets. So how I they're feel playing, like, what they're looking for, all that. Yeah, yeah. So that that's kind of like you know different ways that, that they're different. That film, like all that film, that's also big, obviously in the NBA. Like I don't think we watch film at halftime in college, but you did say it. Like there's. NBA, we watch and film right before the game. There, it's on your phone on an app. You're supposed to watch at halftime. There's five or six clips. It yeah. is like it's kind of like being an NFL kicker. Like you're supposed to have the film ready. You're supposed to make your kicks, and if you don't, yeah. that's the only time everyone really notices you. Yeah. It's like, God damn, yo! Like, yeah. why isn't this film ready? Exactly. So you hate to see it. Hate to see it from the video guy. I got I got one more last last quick one for you, Brent. I think a lot something that's kind of gone under the radar with this team is and Willard alluded to it this week, is that it's been a ton of turnover. Like, you know, Jameer came back, Juju's back, Dante's back, Jari Long's back. I think those are really the only guys who played any sort of minutes from last year coming back. Uh, so a lot of new faces, freshmen, transfers, et cetera. And yeah. I, the offense has been a little bit clunky maybe as a result of just trying to blend in a bunch of new faces. What types of things can you say, do, work on as a staff to kind of help the group kind of continue to mesh together and get better over the course of the season. Cause you know, the, the goal here is just to be playing better basketball in, in February, March than you are now. So what types of things, you know, can, can you guys keep doing to help push us along in the right direction? Yeah. I mean, well, we just gotta make shots. <laughs> like, I mean, as, as Frank as that is, I mean, if you talk about like the offense being clunky or like the spacing. I mean, if you're shooting, I think like, I think we're shooting like 27% from three. Like, I mean, most 27? teams, yeah, <laughs> we, we we get an updated figure. We get an updated figure. We go we go play the guessing game again today. We're, we're gonna need an updated figure on that. Twenty seven seems uh <laughs> optimistic. Uh, but yeah, I mean exactly. So I mean, like if if, if a team shoots that low, like I mean, of course the offense is you know going to struggle at times. I mean, we play Indiana like they're sitting in the gaps. Like teams are sitting in the gaps. Teams are doubling Jameer. Teams are doubling Juju. Um, so I think, you know, once we start making more shots, um, that'll help as well. But like I said, like once the, our freshmen and, you know, like you said, like Jahari and even Jordan Geronimo, like he didn't play as much as Indiana who's, he's playing a, you know, he's been playing really great for us. Just once they kind of get, you know, up to speed, um, like I said, they're 10 games in, you know, we, 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 we played a really tough Davidson team, you know, second game of the year, you know, you talk about a team, you know, talk about a bad matchup, just a team that can, really pass the ball and, you know, they're setting screens, slipping screens, and then you play like a UAB team that, 
you know, was playing a bunch of different zones and, and stuff like that. And, you know, you can say what you want. Like, we were supposed to win those games, of course. But just, you know, the nuances of our team, the freshmen that we have, um, playing those games so early, you know, and being able to have these, you know, buy games, these home games, and, you know, getting confidence and guys knowing the right space and then getting to the corners, getting to the wings and, you know, who's supposed to take what shot and who we're playing through. Um, as we get more experience with that, I think, like, you'll see an uptick in the offensive numbers. You'll see an uptick in, you know, our scoring outputs. Like, we've scored 100 points twice, you know, for a team that, you know, doesn't shoot great. And I don't care who you're playing. Um, you know, scoring, you know, 100 points is, you know, it's not it's not easier. It's not – and, I mean, we only scored 68 points against Mount St. Mary's, who's a team, you know, similar to the teams that we've been playing. So, you know, we, we've seen improvement in those areas. Yeah. Who's the best and, scout team you ever seen in your life? Who's the best scout team you ever seen in, in your all your years around basketball? Um, it's actually crazy because because we we have we have a walk on now Ben Murphy, and you know we we've compared him to you know some of the the, the they were asking is he one of the best walk ons that we have had before and I was like ah and we had Reese Travis and Andrew who were uh, you guys were clearly by far the best walk ons that we ever had um, best shooter, say, best ever shooters seen. you guys have ever seen <laughs> in, in division one yeah. actually I, and then reese mike jones like one our assistant on staff was giving us a scout report about you in high school and we couldn't believe it he was like yeah reese could shoot like he was knocked down shoot i'm not saying you yeah, could, i couldn't believe it you could which means you <laughs> couldn't believe it that wasn't all i used to do yeah, Reese's so like, first so, shot in a Maryland uniform was 15 feet short. <laughs> Remember it like it was yesterday. So, like, so Mike, so Mike Jones at the math said that like when he was preparing for you guys at St. John's, it was Anthony Cowan and then it was Reese Mona. And he was like, uh-huh. we could not let Reese get a shot off. And we're like, we're sitting there like, Reese, like, he's not a shooter like that. Not not saying you can't shoot, but like, <laughs> but, like he swore that you were like one of the best shooters in high school. I know I was a driver at Maryland. Y'all didn't trust yeah. my three ball. No, I shot, I shot like 40, 42% from three in high school. Sheesh. 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 What a closer <laughs> line does yeah, line for you, fellas. <laughs> I know. Bro, they, the second I got to college, we're shooting two feet beyond that high school line. Okay. It's different. And like yeah. you said, we've seen the freshmen struggle with that. Because I know if you look at DHS's high school, I bet he shot 30s. Six percent from three in high school. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure the numbers, but yeah, not it, it is a big difference. It's a big difference. It also helps having a wall Brett, Brett gave, behind Brett the giving us a shout behind out. the baskets. Yeah, I heard, yeah, I heard somebody say that on the podcast about like the depth perception. Yep, every it's, high school gym is flat right behind it. Yeah, I loved I loved shooting in high school when I got to the big stage, man. <laughs> I didn't I didn't shrivel, but you know I wasn't as good. I wasn't it's a nearly different. As good. It well, is Brent giving us a shout wide. out. We never, we never really talked about Brent. Uh, Brent, Hooper, that's a Hooper, Florida. man. Brent's uh, a Hooper. I was, I, was, I was solid. I was solid. People forget. I was solid. I still, <laughs> I still play a little bit in practice. We yeah. seen some videos. We seen some videos. So. Oh yeah, yeah. I do listen to you guys the videos. <laughs> I know so I made Brent. a joke about that earlier on in the show, but man, I'll let you know if you turned around and Brent was guarding you. <laughs> You were toast. I used to always think to myself, it was almost as bad as when Kevin was being a crybaby a couple years back. Tried to pick me up full court, but you turn once you get that ball to break that press, and Brent's sitting there and he's clapping, he's low to the ground. You're sitting there, you're just like, okay, you know what? I'm just giving it to the big. You dribble it up, I'll find it at the other end. Yeah, he was always he was always special with it. Brent, I really appreciate you coming on though. Uh, talking about the Terps, we know you love Maryland. You're a Washington guy. Uh, 
you're a hooper yourself. So your insight is very helpful, you know, in kind of deciphering exactly what, what we see on the TV compared to what you see behind the stage. Uh, and then, you know, obviously going through two different coaches really helps, uh, you know, show fans, you know, there are similarities, but there's a lot of differences and you've seen both sides of it. So we appreciate you coming on and, you know, saying what you need to say and, you know, you're, you're always welcome on the old, old Terps podcast, brother. Appreciate you guys having me on, man. Uh, one hell of a guy. <laughs> Let's start there. Just one hell of a fucking guy. Uh, I never, I never crossed paths him, but it feels like everybody you who's you weren't there when he was there. Knows, nah, no, I was. I, he came the year after. Everybody, every player, and all you get that spent time with Brent. Like everybody loves him, which which tells you a lot about a coach because he's, he's been put in a lot of difficult situations. You know, he's kind of like that. You know, the coach that uh, the GA, the coach that a lot of players relate to. So he's kind of like you know the barrier between the coaching staff and the players. So he's. He's kind of got to play both sides a lot, but it feels like he does it perfectly because one, he's still there, and two, all the players love him. It's yeah, extremely he, he, rare. He like manages that, that fine line of like you could he'll, he'll listen to you, whatever it is you have to say. He'll talk you through things. He'll be honest with you. Um, but the coaches love him too. He's he he's done a really good job. And I think the other thing is just like he's he's that guy that if you want to work out at five a.m., Brent will be in the gym with you at five a.m. Doesn't matter if you're. Number one on the roster, fifteen on the roster. Um, you know he's he's a great asset to have in that program. Yeah, and all the players trust him. All the coaches love and trust him too. It's it's impressive that he can do that. Like you're saying, he somehow has a foot in both the players and the coaches' side. And yeah, Brent's Brent's a guy everyone loves and enjoys to be around. That was one of the relationships that I thought was that I miss like about college is your relationship with the managers your relationship with the GAs and then somewhat like the coaches. I remember especially like off the court manager wise, like they're always, you know, they're, they're students. They're our age. They came in with us. You know, you had, you have a recruiting class of three, four guys. There was always usually three or four new managers each year that were in the same class. So you hung out with them a lot, but you learned pretty quickly, like which managers were cool with the players and would like, you know, keep shit, silent you have a little pregame before you're going out you guys are maybe drinking a little bit who's not going to say anything yeah and then which manager did the coach have under his wing that was like you know what are the players doing on saturday nights like those are the dynamics that were super fun to be a part of that was like the little guy drama that way you know girls got all their little things going like yeah. guys we were trying to figure out which managers were cool and uh most of them were we're, we're not going to name some names but that was always fun is, is having those guys in our corner we did we did have a pretty good group of managers I won't lie like there weren't many mistakes made when it came to but you are right you always you you just you know dynamics are fun like that but you get a you get to kind of watch learn and and move forward so here let's uh let's quickly go over these next couple games for the terps uh first one is Nichols. um okay <laughs> we're good we're good on that I think we're done here. <laughs> Uh, and then UCLA, UCLA is after them. UCLA, I think, is a lot better than people think. A lot better than the record indicates, even though they just got, you know, beat on a neutral to Ohio State. But I still think they're a lot better. They have a great coach who I think is very similar to Willard. I think Cronin is identical to Willard. And I think if you want to see who Willard could become with Maryland, I think you look at Mick Cronin and how he did it with UCLA. A couple recruiting classes. 
through the roof, almost a national championship. And then, you know, you have small wolves, but I do think there's a pretty good comparison there. What do you guys think about this game coming up? I think, I think he's cut from the same cloth as like an Izzo. Like he's, he's screaming his head off on the sidelines. His teams always play super hard, but like these players walk off the court and they give that guy a hug and you're just, you know, like how does, how does that dynamic work? You're in his face telling him that you're going to send him back home to his mom if he doesn't get a rebound and, and the players telling him he loves him. So, I mean, I feel like that's like a, that's giving me Izzo vibes. Uh, We'll see if Willard gets that level. In some ways, I don't want him to, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. He he definitely is a good coach. He's yeah. You know, UCLA their their style of basketball is a lot different than the old UCLA. What do you, what do you not want about about the Izzo thing? You don't want a Final Four if you if you go there since two thousand. You're in a Final Four guaranteed. <laughs> I I would have a Final Four if we had if we had the Iz. It's so. just very hot and cold. Like it's like it's he's either screaming his head off or he's like not saying anything. So I Agreed. always respected always respected Izzo to the highest. They used to kick our ass. I'll say that. And teams always played super hard. And like I said, his players loved him. So I was always curious about that dynamic. But at the same time, it's like yeah, you know, I, Willard seems a little bit more mild tempered. I, I think I would appreciate that a little bit more. Yeah, and if you look at you guys mentioned that. Cronin and Willard are cut from the same cloth. They're kind of similar. They are friends. That's why they scheduled each other home and away. Um, that is because they're both from the coaching tree of Rick Pitino. So they both coach under Rick Pitino and now are head coaches themselves. So you see they got a lot of that same swag to them, that confidence, <laughs> that aggressive play that also stems from Rick Pitino. Is, I feel like we just did a big old stereotype bald white <laughs> and out of nowhere they're the exact same coach i feel weird about this you know <laughs> it almost makes me want to think we should cut the recording because this feels off <laughs> are they even the same type of coach or completely Who different? made the comparison here i did no i feel bad about it i feel like no. i just did something real i mean no. that's okay. like saying travis is very similar to rj barrett because they're both <laughs> black and handsome <laughs> you know what i'm saying kevin you're you're uh your white chocolate, whoever that guy was, because you got red hair. I just feel weird about that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they both were under Rick Pitino. There you go. You have it. I'd say what Thank though. You. Thank you, Stack Guy. Mick <laughs> Thanks, Cronin. Stack Guy. Mick Cronin. Mick Cronin is one tough son of a bitch, and those teams play hard as nails. Like they they get after. It. Ever since you remember, like those Cincinnati teams he used to have back in the day. Like you were not. Those are some. Those, they they had some dogs on that roster. Well, I don't even you know guys if remember basketball players. And exactly. And do you guys remember what he told us in the off season right before he got hired or right when he got hired? He was like, man, all I care about is you just you're a junkyard dog on defense. You can shoot whatever shot you want. But besides that, give me, you know, blank, give me more effort on defense and then you can pretty much do anything offensively. And then to Kevin's point right there, he was like, man, I actually can recruit, you know, four stars and five stars and I can get them at Maryland. I can get basketball players and then hone that energy on the defensive end and and the offense. You know, I think that's the comparison there. So style of play, this is really setting up to be either really really ugly or really exciting. Like both teams are gonna both teams are gonna pressure the shit out of ball handlers up in your up 
you know, Jameer is going to see a guy full court. You know, as soon as he turns the ball around, he's going to have Brent Petty sitting underneath him. Can't get the ball Up over there. half court. A la Andrew Terrell. Uh, so it's this is going to be an interesting one. Who's who's going to make more shots in this game? Who's going to get to more shots? Or is this just going to be a, a turnover defensive fest? I think to that point, I think it's going to be ugly because UCLA plays. I think like the three hundred nineteenth slowest tempo in, in the country so they they don't get up and down and they guard they guard like hell like they're top 20 in the country in adjusted defense like they they get after it um so like i don't want to beat a dead horse here but if we're gonna win this game fellas we're gonna have to make a couple shots like i not to beat a dead horse here we talked about this a lot on the podcast but listen it's basketball the name of the game put the ball in the hoop yeah but but what's your what's your line travis what travels Defense, defense always travels. I like, That's I like why cards. It, you need to make shots. Kevin, you said it a little bit during the Kansas IU game. You texted it. You can't win at IU like that. Yeah. Where you're not making many shots, no matter how good your defense is. So you need to make a couple, which they did down the stretch. But man, you just got to be within striking distance, which I think defensively, like Brent said, which shocked me. I actually didn't know that about statistically how well they were defensively. If you can just stay within striking distance, then it's just who has nuts, you know, yeah. down the stretch. Yeah. So, but it's it's going to be an interesting game because UCLA, I feel like, is a lot like Maryland too, just in terms of they've been weird all year. I mean, they go toe to toe with Marquette, lose by two, and now they've lost three of their last four, and that win is a one point win against UC Riverside. Oh so Jesus! I think they're in the same boat as Maryland. I'm sure Cronin has been attacking them during this exam week. They're trying to get better. They're trying to find themselves. Both teams are kind of lost looking for a big win. So I think this Fisher is it. McCronin grabbing them by the jersey like this in practice. And he's, he's not that tall. So he's like looking up at this. Like if you don't tighten them. I'm... Yeah. Hey, can I, can I also say this real quick? Trav's aesthetic with the, with the lighting it is incredible right now. He's, I mean, it's, it looks like Madison Square Garden where it's he's got the light perfect on the on the court, but it's dark in the arena around him. I mean, it's dude, how much do you pay for rent? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a, I'm not a liberty. I'm not a liberty speaker on that at this podcast and make a lot of people throw up. You got a ring light? Um, no, it's actually it's a little like it's a little, it little staples. Uh, it's like he, he hired a manager to to just hold a flashlight during the recording the whole time. <laughs> This hey, is my rent, Super that Bowl. That rent must be expensive. Boy, this is my Super Bowl. Light. He's got the staples desk lamp. <laughs> oh, this guy. This, this pitch black in the, in the back of Reese's picture. The hell that's not even his house. There. Don't give him credit. That's not his house. That's his, <laughs> that's his that's girlfriend's parents' house. I'll be moved in soon, gentlemen. I'll be moved in soon. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will. Uh, anything? Anybody else got anything cool about UCLA other than that? It's going to be a little bit of a similar matchup, a little bit of a dogfight. I wish this one was at home because I think we would. I think we would win at home. I think this one's going to be an extreme toss-up with being that far away. But I do think it's pretty interesting that this is the new Big Ten. They're going to have to make this trip all the time. Mm-hmm. I was going to say never, that. trip to LA is never a bad trip, though, Phil. It could no. be could be a lot worse than going could to be a lot UCLA. worse. 
But Kev, you could probably talk more about this. You, we we never in college went. We never did a road trip like this in college. We had to go, you know, different time zone and whatever. So you you probably could speak a little bit to that as, as far as like you can. What's it like when you're playing a game and it's three hours behind and all that? Like you know, we never did that. It's it's definitely a lot easier to go west than it is to come east to play. When you go west, you get three hours back, so you have more time in the day. Obviously, you come east, everything just it's. Everything moves a lot faster. You take off there at 10 in the morning and you land here and it's like 9 o'clock at night. You're like, I just literally lost a day of my life. Yeah. So I don't worry about the time difference going there. I think if you're UCLA coming to Maryland last year, you'd be a little bit more worried about it. Uh, yeah, UCLA, really notoriously, unless they're top five, like they're not really known for their home crowd. So I don't nope. know how much of a factor that plays, especially with the start that they've gotten off to and it's winter break. Like, you know, hopefully that... Uh, take some of that home court cooking out but you know they're gonna go spend a couple of days in la uh the, the guys are gonna have some fun maybe they'll, they'll hit a nice restaurant or something you know see some sunshine but you know we got to come away with a dub here this is a big game for us yeah it is a big dub it's kind of defines the rest of our season quite frankly you know i mean big 10 play you have enough games to be able to come back from it but i do think if we could somehow get this w it brings a little more excitement to the program, which you need going into Christmas time because you need fans to buy tickets. Correct. And that's very underrated where we have such a long winter term with the students. I think this could be one of those defining wins where people start buying tickets for, you know, oh, we do have a chance in the Big Ten. So we'll go to the game January 7th, you know, instead and of no no free tickets to the to the students. That is important because not to look ahead. We don't do this. We got a couple games, but y'all know what our first Big Ten home game is right after the new year, correct? Uh, I think you guys have seen that schedule. January 2nd, 7 p.m. Oh, yeah. Purdue Boilermakers. Yeah. That, that is how we kick kick back into Big Ten play. So it, it's a very big game, right? You want, you want to close the year on a high note. You want to make sure you're going the right direction heading into Big Ten play because when we get back into Big Ten play, we are smack dab right in the mix. Well, I wouldn't. I would like it no other way. Um, anybody else got anything before I shut this thing down? Quick game. We didn't do this. We didn't do this game show again. Uh, what What are we shooting from three this season now? Updated and what is our ranking in Division One men's basketball? Everybody gets a guess. Let's hear them. Three fifty one is the total number, right? Let's Let's just reiterate. Uh, no, it's more this year. It's three sixty one now. Three sixty. Well, I, two, I said one. that yeah. first. Okay. Yeah, he did. So we got ten more teams this year. 362. Okay. I'll start it off. Uh, 24%, and I'll say 285. Mm. <laughs> Only based off of Travis's reaction, I'm going to go 305th. And. Um, because Brent said 27%. I'm going to give him a leg that he might know what he's talking about. Thir- 318th. I'm going with... Kev said 24. I'm going 25. Okay. Bonus point. Reese, you, you got it. Kev, you were also right there. 25.5% from three. Out of 362 teams in Division One, we are now 355th. We're moving up. What? No, we are moving down. 355? What? 355. This is, this is after going 45%? Correct. Because remember, before that, we were 22%. <laughs> it is us, Grambling, Coppin State, Ryder, Navy, 
Sienna and IUPUI. Shout out Sienna. Jesus Christ. Mm. Bad. Not Academy boys can't shoot either. Those dudes, are, mention, dude, those two, those dudes at least have an excuse. They're saving our lives. <laughs> Good God damn. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll say this. I appreciate you guys listening to this episode. Uh, we really liked having Brent on. If you need him, shoot him a DM, shoot him some hate mail. He needs it. He'll, uh, he'll get a kick out of it. But other than that, we appreciate you guys listening. This is another episode of the Old Terps Podcast. We will be back next week, hopefully with a dub out of L.A., um, and quite frankly, I'll say this, I'm going to have another one hell of a weekend. Shout out to us. We're the best. Yeah, gang.